Hey, this is Keenan Clark. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen to this episode of my podcast. I am really praying that your time listening helps you to realize just how loved and enjoyed you are by God. If you'd like, you can stay connected with me by following me on all major social media platforms. Now, get ready, because I have to say this episode is so good. I love you. Can y'all put your hands together and make a lot of noise all over the world right now for your speaker for the day, Pastor Keenan Clark. Come on, somebody. Come on! Yeah, you're at that church this morning. You didn't realize you came to that church. The kind you got to have a, you know, you got to sign a waiver to walk in. You're signing your life away when you walked here. Man, good grief. Can we just give it up for what God's doing already this morning? Come on. Come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. While you're on your feet, while you're on your feet, I just want to give honor where honors due. I know I was here last Sunday and I already said some of this, but man, I truly believe you have one of the best pastors on the face of the planet. Come on, Pastor Tabner Smith. Come on. You can do better for that. Come on. Freaking Tabner Smith. I know he's got some things he's going to be doing this morning, but I just want him to know, and I want you to know how much I love your pastor. I know some of you may not have had the privilege of getting up close and personal with him. That some of you, you, you come in and you sit down, and man, that honestly, if you, if you get nothing else from him other than his preaching, he is amazing. But I want to let you know, I've traveled all over the world. I've traveled all over the world as a 25-year-old man. I've done a lot in my short life, and I've never met anyone like Tabner Smith. I've never met anyone. I've met a lot of people who thought they were a big deal. But man, I'm so grateful that you have a pastor. Man, the, the, day, the, the future days of this church, the days that are coming, they are so good. They are going to be so sweet. And it's just because, man, your pastor's the real deal. I keep thinking him, thank you for being better in person. You know, it's easy to put your best foot forward on Instagram. It's easy to kind of show everybody your highlight reel, but who the, that man is behind the scenes, the kind of honor and integrity that he walks in is unparalleled. And I'm just telling you right now, this is an, in, an outsider. You need to understand how blessed, how blessed you are. So if this is your first Sunday here, make it the first Sunday for the rest of your life. Make venue home. There is no, there, the grass is not greener anywhere else, okay? The grass is green here because Tabner Smith has been watering it for eight freaking years. And now you get to come into a field you had no water, you didn't water, and you get to graze. You get to be provided for, you get to be pastored by that man. So I just want to say, Pastor, wherever you're at in the building, if you end up listening to this, I love you. Thank you. And man, God's hand is on that man's life, is it not? Well, hey, why don't you tap somebody on the shoulder, tell them they look super sexy, and then sit down. Only if it's appropriate. If not, we do have security. Not afraid to use it. 
Hey, if we have not had the privilege of meeting yet, my name is Keenan Clark, like Pastor said, and uh, I am from all the way from San Angelo, Texas, okay? And uh, we weren't able to get back this week due to uh, uh, Texas becoming Antarctica overnight. And uh, so we haven't been able to get back, but I lead a college ministry there um, at a, a church called Celebration Church. And man, it's such a thrill. It's such an honor, but I don't lead it alone. I lead it with my beautiful wife, Beth. We have been married for six months. Holla at you, boy. Oh! So good. I told the first service, but um, I, I, a lot of times I'm like, baby, you're a whole grain snack. You know what I mean? Like, you're the snack I don't regret. You know what I mean? It's like... You are good, you taste good, you're everything. I love it. So uh, we're here and we've just been literally just so enjoyed getting to be and receive from, from this house and just get, to, just get to impart a little bit this morning. But are you guys ready for the word? Are you guys ready for the word? If you're not, you're not gonna be because if you're not ready after that, like I'm sorry, I guess church just isn't for you, okay? Totally playing. But hey, if you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn over to the book of Proverbs. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn over the book of Proverbs, and we're going to go to the chapter 4 and verse 23. And hey, if you didn't bring a Bible this morning, I want to let you know that's totally okay. Uh, we've made space and provision for you if you didn't bring a Bible. How many of you are glad you go to a church that makes space and provision for in their relationship with God, they don't even own a Bible yet? Uh, how many of you are glad you go to a church that anticipates people not knowing spiritually up from down, left from right, coming in here? We made space for you, and we don't want you to miss out. This is not just for insiders. This is for everyone. It's for everyone. So if you didn't bring a Bible this morning, we brought one for you. So it's going to be here on the screen. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. One verse we're just going to launch here. It says this, above all else. That's pretty emphatic language. The writer of Proverbs is trying to draw some importance to what he's about to say. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Hey, if you're taking notes this morning, um, I'm going to preach a message that I'm simply calling this, can you dig it? Can you dig it? And I pray that by the end of this service, not only does that make a little bit more sense, but I'm really praying that the purpose of God on your life makes a little bit more sense. I'm really pray, pr praying that, that, that the love of God that has been after you, that it, it meets you right where you're at, I pray that that becomes ever so clear and that you leave with an understanding that you are not the bottom. No, God gave you his best when he sent his perfect son to the planet. That's what I'm praying happens this morning, that you leave not saying, wow, what a sermon, but wow, what a savior. What a savior. And so let's pray this morning, ask that God would come and do what only he can do. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now, right off the bat, Lord, we just take a moment just to acknowledge you. Let, Lord, if you are not a part of the next couple moments, then it is for not. And Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, that you would just meet us right where we're at. Lord, that you would make the next couple moments actually matter for the rest of our lives. Lord, I believe that this word is transgenerational. Lord, I pray that what I'm about to say, what you're about to say, Lord, I pray that it goes deep into the hearts of these here this morning. And Lord, I thank you that it's never gonna be stolen from them. And Lord, I thank you that they're just gonna build, that Lord, this is just rung one of the ladder and there is so much more to discover in you. I thank you that it's by your spirit we are gonna meet you here this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Hey, real quick off the bat, I wanna get some stuff off my chest. Okay, real quickly. Um, there's a lot of things I love. Like, I'm a lover, not a fighter. You're gonna find that out real quick, okay? And uh, first and foremost, I love 
Jesus Christ, okay? I've gotta let you know that. I gotta let you know that right off the bat. Number one on the menu, number one in my heart, okay? I love me some Jesus, okay? So good, all right? But secondly, I love this little five foot two. That's how tall she is. We are a foot apart. She's five two, I'm six two, okay? Five foot two, slice of heaven. Come on, my beautiful wife, Beth. I love her to death, okay? I love her. I love her. I am in love with her, okay? I am in love with her, just so you know, okay? But I really tell you those two things. I really tell you those two things. Number one, because I have the microphone. Um, and number two, I tell you those two things so you know that my priorities are, are in order, okay? I love Jesus and I love my wife because the third thing I'm gonna talk to you about is very near and dear to my heart as well, okay? And the third thing is it's an inanimate object, okay? I'll give you that, which means it does not have a pulse, okay? But I'm gonna be honest with you, it, it quickens my pulse, okay? And that is I love Coffee, okay? I love me some coffee. Anybody in the coffee house of God want to be a witness this morning? Come on, somebody. All right? I love me some coffee. Like, I'm addicted to being caffeinated. Like, I'm like, just give me a coffee IV. Just, like, stick it in the vein. You know what I mean? Like, I'm jonesing for a cup of joe. You know what I mean? Like, it's bad. All right? I love coffee. And honestly, I'm becoming convinced that God loves coffee. Okay? I am. The more I read my Bible... The more clear it becomes. Okay, listen to me. Just, just hear me out, okay? He named an entire book of the Bible Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews. Hebrews what? Holy grounds. <laughs> Come on. He's not just Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Java. Come on, somebody. In the house of God. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. His mercies are new every morning. Listen to this. It's called a cup of Joe. What's Jesus' dad name? Joseph. Come on. Read between the freaking lines. Like, it's there. The Holy Spirit's trying to make it known, okay? God is about coffee. I'm about coffee, all right? But I'm not, I'm not just about coffee. I was telling my wife, uh, uh, like, I guess right before we got married, I was like, babe, honestly, coffee mugs make or break the coffee experience, okay? The mug is equally as important as the coffee that goes inside of it, okay? Like, it makes or breaks the experience for one who is experiencing the best thing on planet Earth, coffee, okay? So, um, I, I consequently, due to my love for coffee and my love for mugs, I have collected a lot of mugs in my travels as I have preached, and obviously I have a nice little Tennessee one right here that I'm taking home with me. Come on. And so, I, I, consequently, I have a lot of these. I have a lot, okay? And a lot of them have made their way up to our church back home. And so what a typical Monday morning for me looks like is I peruse into our offices. I say, what's up to one of our pastors? His name's Steve Whitaker. I say, what's up, Pastor Steve? And then I walk over to our office Keurig. I grab one of my many coffee mugs that are there at the church. I plop it down. I pop a K-cup in, and I start my day, as you should, fresh cup of coffee, okay? And I sit there, and I usually have a coffee mug in hand, and I start my day at 9 a.m. walking around our church just seeing what might need Pastor Keenan's attention, okay? So I'm sitting there until finally I come across a project that is needing the attention of both of my hands, okay? So in that moment, I will find a flat surface, and here's the problem. Any flat surface will do, okay? Any flat surface will do. They have found my mugs in very peculiar places, okay? My brother, in fact, had an Instagram highlight reel of where he was finding my mugs at our church. Is that bad? Okay, so I will set my mug on a flat surface and begin to work on a project, okay? Here's the problem. As soon as I'm done with the project, 
I have forgotten where I set my coffee mug. So I begin to peruse around our building, and, and, and all of a sudden, I, I need some more sustenance. I need some more life. I need some more Jesus juice. You know what I'm saying? And I'm wanting some coffee. Well, the problem is I have completely forgotten where I set my mug. So instead of going on a mad mug hunt, I will just go back to our office. I will grab another one of my many mugs. I will plop it down and make a new fresh cup of coffee. Okay, here's the deal. Two weeks later, I will happen upon that original mug, okay? And I have to tell you, the last time this mug and I had an interaction, it was giving me life. Like, there was steam coming off of it. It was nice and warm. It had an aroma, okay? Now, two weeks later, there's not an aroma. There's an odor, okay? There is an odor. Okay, the last time we had an interaction, it was borderline romantic, okay? It was, it was I, I'm, pray for me. Okay, so it was rough, all right? The last time I was interacting with this mug, it was giving me so much life, and now all of a sudden, two weeks later, I find it the exact same mug, the exact same place I found it. Things are not as they were when I left it. All of a sudden, something that was so life-giving in one moment has now all of a sudden become detrimental, to me. And I'm here to tell you this morning, that's not just true of my coffee mugs. That's actually even more true of your heart. It's even more true of your heart. You see, a lot of us think that when life, we can kind of just shift things into park, that we can kind of just click pause on the Netflix of our life, and that when we come around to getting back to things, everything will be as it was. And I'm here to tell you right now, that could not be further from the truth. It could not be further from the truth. You need to understand this. Life is a current that means life is constantly moving. I'm here to tell you this morning, in life you are either intentionally, by faith, walking somewhere, or life is tragically taking you somewhere, but there is no standstill in life. There is no, I'll be right back in life. Listen to me, life is gonna force you to grow. You can grow bolder or you can grow moldier, but either way, you're gonna grow something. And this is why it is so important, woo! This is why it's so important that we regularly come back that we regularly reassess, that we regularly deal and take inventory of our heart. Or, or can I call it like this? Can I say it like this? Of our soul. Of our soul. You know what your soul is? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Those are the three things that comprise your soul, okay? Your mind, your will, and emotions. So essentially what you think, what you want, and what you feel. And I'm here to tell you, if you are not regularly assessing and dealing with the things you want, think, and feel, I'm telling you, the things you want, think, and feel can begin to dictate to you what's actually real. All of a sudden, you're living in a lesser, re listen to me, you will live in a lesser reality than Jesus died for you to live in. If you don't regularly come back to that soul place, that heart place, and say, God, I know I was on fire in the seventh grade. I know I was on fire in my early 20s, but now I'm freaking 45. I can't live off of what used to be. I can't live off the prayers I prayed then. I'm going to live off the prayers I'm praying now. And I'm telling you, it's as you get real with where you're actually at right now in this season. I know 2020 did a number on you. I know it did. Our entire schedule, this entire church went on pause. But I'm telling you, the inside of you didn't go on pause. And it's when we go on pause that all of a sudden the paws of the enemy come out. And they begin to seek and try to devour those. And what does the enemy want to devour? He wants to devour the easy target, the sitting duck, if you will. It's when we go on pause that all of a sudden the enemy begins to come in and try to creep in. An idle mind is the devil's playground, my mom used to tell me. 
And idle minds, the devil's playground, I'm telling you, if all of a sudden we are not, God, lead me. God, today, I know I screwed up yesterday. Listen to me. I know you screwed up last night. There's somebody in here who needs that. I don't know who that's for. You're sitting there thinking this disqualifies you. I know what happened last night. And God's saying, I don't want to talk about last night. I want to talk about tomorrow. I want to talk about right now. I want to talk about who the heck you actually are, not what you did. (laughs) Woo! Come on. I'm telling you, it's when we allow God into the here and now that he can make our here and now a dead and gone. And that's what God wants. He doesn't want you living off yesterday's, yesterday's provision. He doesn't want you living off yesterday's fire. No, he wants to say, hey, invite me into that place. I know it's gotten moldy. There's some of you right now that the last time you were in this room, things felt different. You were in a different place. You were in a really healthy place, and then 2020 happened. You had to shelter in place, and all of a sudden, just because your schedule went on pause doesn't mean the thing, that all that stuff on the inside of you went into pause. And I came here to remind somebody, just because you changed in 2020 doesn't mean Jesus changed in 2020. It didn't catch him by surprise. It didn't hoodwink him, okay? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher. It's his finished work. I know it did a number on you. Thank God my faith isn't in you. Thank God you're not the one who saved me. He is. Thank God I'm not the one who saved me. He is. And it doesn't matter come hell or high water what's going on in my life. I can bank my bottom dollar on the fact that if I'll let God into this moment, that moment won't hold any weight anymore. That moment won't hold any weight. You see what happened with my mug is I set it down, and all of a sudden the impurities, the the imperfections, the toxins in the air began to settle down inside my mug. And what happens? They began to fester. They began to grow. And I find it ironic that Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, refers to the devil as the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of the power of the air. What does that mean? The enemy is constantly speaking things over you that if you were to dare to let them settle down in your soul, they would begin to create a reality for you that the grace of God does not paint for you. They would begin to frame and lead you down a road, whether it's willfully or it's kicking and screaming, that you do not want to go down. I'm telling you, it's when we come back and we guard our heart that all of a sudden things can begin to take off and go not just in a good direction, but a God direction. Things can begin to turn around. You know, Jesus talks about this. He said this in John chapter 7, verse 38. He says this, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Notice what he says. It doesn't say anyone who believes in themselves enough. This is not about the power of positive thinking. Listen to me. This is not new age. Can I, can I, get, a little, can I get a little straightforward with you? This is not just, I'm trying to make it manifest. You can't make it manifest. If you could have, you would have. You've been thinking about that dream for the last 20 years. You've been thinking about what it looks like to be free from that addiction for the last 35 years. If you could have, you would have. No, he says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And notice this. Woo, it's good. It's good. It's good, sister. But notice this. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will begin to flow from his heart. Jesus is saying this. You're going to take something in. Take me in. Let it be me. Every void is going to try to find its filler. Let me fill you. Daily drink me in. Daily drink the gospel in. Daily drink my sufficiency in. Daily drink my enoughness in. And watch as I create rivers of living water. Woo-hoo. Rivers of living water to flow 
your heart. Jesus is saying what happens in your heart, it matters. What happens in your heart matters. And real quickly, I want to make a delineation because we're talking about your soul, the things you think, the things you want, and the things you feel, okay? But I want to make a delineation between your soul and your spirit, okay? Because many people in the church use those words interchangeably, okay? As if they are synonymous. And I'm here to tell you this morning, they are not synonymous. They could not be further apart. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your spirit is that part of you that Jesus made perfect the moment you put your faith in him. And listen to me, that is concrete, That is not going anywhere. So listen to me. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. What we're talking about isn't the the potential of you losing your salvation. I'm talking about you losing your mind. I'm talking about you losing your mind. Because this pastor said a moment ago, God didn't come just so that we could live heaven ready, but also live in hell on earth at the same time. No, he wants our heaven ready status to begin to allow him to leak a little little bit of heaven through our stay here on planet earth. We're not called to just live heaven ready and hell on earth. And your soul will cause you to live hell on earth if we do not come back and guard, guard our heart, guard the things that that are trying to well up and fester. And the enemy's trying to speak his lies into every nook, cranny, pocket, corner, and crevice of who you are. I'm telling you, it's when we guard that place that we can begin to walk where God's called us. And real quickly, we're, we're talking about guarding our heart. But I've found that we can't really guard our heart till we first deal with our heart. You can't guard your heart until you first deal with your heart. Why would you puppy dog guard something that's toxic? Why would you, why would you turn your back on something that's going to bite you in the back? That's going to stab you in the back? No, we've got to first deal with our heart and then we can guard our heart. And this morning, I think we need to allow the scriptures to teach us how to deal with and then guard our heart. And real quickly, I want you to turn over to Genesis chapter 26, and we're going to go to one verse of scripture, and that's verse 18. This is so good. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 18. It says this, and Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. So all of a sudden, we see this guy. His name's Isaac. Now, if you're not familiar with Isaac, Isaac's kind of a big deal, okay? Like, you need to go back and, and kind of read some of his stuff. Like, he's kind, of a, he's kind of a central figure in the Old Testament. God often refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? Isaac is a person God wants to be associated with, okay? It's kind of a big deal, okay? He had a very miraculous birth. He's a central figure in Scripture, okay? Sudden, we see Isaac. He walks up across, uh, uh, upon this well, this well of water, and things are not going well with the well, okay? And real quickly, right here, we could kind of all of a sudden begin to disassociate ourselves because, listen, uh, we live in the 21st century, and I have not forgotten that. So a lot of times, I I highly doubt, okay, I don't really know how everything works here in Tennessee, but I highly doubt you use a water well. Okay, I highly doubt that every morning you, you grab a pail and you throw it down a well and haul some water up. Most of us, we go to the RO, we go to a water bottle. Water is readily available, but you need to understand, in Isaac's day and age, that was not the case. A well was an integral part of a, of a family and community. If you didn't have a well, your family's days were numbered. You didn't have clean water. And not only that, not only were your, were, was your family in a deficit, but you couldn't even water your livestock. So that meant you couldn't even make a living. A well, listen to me, a well was an integral part 
of a family and community, okay? And you have to understand this about a well as well, and I really don't want you to miss this, okay? A well was hard to dig, okay? They didn't have John Deere. They didn't even have modern shovels, okay? A well was hard to dig. Here's what it took. It literally took someone daring to get down in the dirt and simply remove the extra and superfluous material. Daring to get down to the dirt and one handful after one handful, month after month, keep digging and digging and digging until finally, bam, they found that life source. They found that water. But here's the really cool part. Once someone had dared to get down in the dirt and dig out the extra stuff, all of a sudden generations could come and drink from that well. If one person would dare to get down in the dirt, generations, not just that family and that, that lifetime, but I'm talking generations could come and drink. I'll prove it to you. Jesus, in John chapter 4, is having a, having a moment, having a conversation with a woman, okay? The story is called Jesus and the woman at the well. Okay, and inside of this story in John chapter 4, the woman Jesus is speaking to reveals to us what well they are at. She says, this is Jacob's well. And if you do the math, that dates that well in that exact moment at 1,500 years old. It's 1,500, 1,500 years old. Listen, Jesus is able to change a woman's life because 1,500 years ago, Jacob dared to dig a place for them to meet. Jesus is able to change a woman's life because Jacob dug a place for them to meet. Oh my gosh, I came here to tell you, Venue Church, what would happen if you were to dare to let God dig in your little life? If you were to dare to let God dig, I came here to tell you, you don't know the longevity, the legacy, the mountains that will be moved. If you were to dare to let God dig in your little life, dare to let God dig, I came here to tell somebody, you let God keep digging. You let God keep digging. One handful after one handful after one handful. Hey, mom and dad. Don't you dare let the foot off the gas of praying for the, your kids. Don't you dare let your foot off the gas of praying for your kids. I'm telling you, you're digging every prayer. You are digging, and you're about to hit the water. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare give up. I came here to prophesy this morning. Venue Church may be eight years old, but it is a well still in the making. And as good as the water has been, the, the, the latter water is going to be even sweeter. I'm telling you, I want to encourage somebody. Use the tools God gave you to dig this well. Because generations, generations are going to come and drink from what God does in this place. Dare to let God dig in your life. I'm telling you, generations. The world is going to change. Pastor said this is going to be the greatest move of God the planet has ever seen. And it's one handful at a time, one lifetime at a time, one decision to extend the grace of God at a time. I'm telling you, what could, what could God do if you were to dare to let him dig in your small, puny, pathetic little life? That's what you would call it. That's how you would call it. It's not small. It's not significant, insignificant. It's more significant than you understand. What we are doing, listen to me, what is happening right now, right now, not what we're going to do, what is happening right now is transgenerational. It's transgenerational. What does that mean? It affects generations to come. Listen to me. The future of America depends on this. The future of the kingdom of God. we got to deal with the ish so we can have the pure, authentic kingdom of God. And it's as we allow God to one handful at a time. Dare to let him dig in my life. That's my prayer for me. God, I want to dare to let you dig. You know, that's why the Bible's important. 
we're able to go back and look at people's lives who lived at most recently 2,000 years ago. And we're able to drink from their lives still today because they dared to let God dig in their day. We're able to go back into the life of Moses and drink still today because Moses dared to let God dig in his day. We're able to go back to the life of Gideon and drink because Gideon dared to let God drink in his day. We're able to go back to the life of the Apostle Paul and drink still today because the Apostle Paul just dared to let God dig in his day. I came here to tell you, dare to let God dig. Dare to let God dig. You have no idea what generations are going to be changed and transformed from what God does on the inside of you. Let God dig. All of a sudden we see Isaac, he, he comes up to this well. And as I told you, things are not going well with this well. And listen to me, don't miss this. Isaac is now forced to make a decision. He's got to decide, am I going to acknowledge Am I going to see what's going on here or am I going to skirt what's actually going on with this well? Am I going to pretend like I didn't see it or am I going to get honest about where things are at? And listen to me, the first step in order to dealing with and guarding your heart is you've got to be committed to being real about where you actually are. You've got to be honest about where you really are. Why? Because listen to me, God can't change what you are unwilling to confront. God can't heal what you refuse to reveal. God can't restore what you choose to ignore. As long as we are still pretending we are somewhere else, God can't bring us out of where we actually are. No, no wonder so many of you think the promises of God are dead on your life. The destiny hasn't changed. You've just been telling him you're somewhere else. And God can't bring you out of somewhere you're unwilling to admit you actually are. God can't bring you out of somewhere you are unwilling to admit you actually are. And honestly, this has been our problem since the beginning. It's been our problem since the beginning. In Genesis chapter three, we see what happens is the fall happens. What happens, Adam and Eve, they bite of the forbidden fruit. And what happens is their eyes are opened to the dual realities, good and evil. And what happens is the shame of their naked form is awakened on the inside of them. So what do they do? They run and they hide. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, we see God all of a sudden comes perusing into the garden. And this is what it says. Then the Lord called to the man and said this, Adam, where are you? A -a Adam, um, Adam, where, where are you? Now I have to ask you, is God really oblivious to where Adam is at in this moment? Like has Adam seriously found the best hide-and-go-seek spot in the garden? No, 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 you have to understand this. God is not ignorant of where Adam's at. God needed Adam to admit where Adam was at. I'm telling you, God can't bring you out of somewhere you're unwilling to admit where you, act, you actually are. And it, you'll see, if you read the rest of the story, you'll see that that is the moment when Adam says, when Adam opens his mouth and gives his hiding spot away, that's the moment that all of a sudden creation that had just fallen got set on the road to redemption. We see that's the very moment that all of a sudden humanity begins to walk towards the cross. Humanity begins to be set on the path towards restoration. God didn't wait around for us to get it right. God immediately tried to make it right. And it's as we allow him to get into where we really are, we get honest about where we're actually at, that all of a sudden God can begin to make your here and now the dead and gone. And you can begin to walk in the fullest potential, walk in the full promise of the life and purpose that he's placed on you. But we gotta be willing we got to be willing to get real. You know, maybe this morning, 
Maybe shame isn't your game. Maybe pride is why you hide. And yeah, that rhymes, so oh, it must be true. But it's true even, even, though, even if I made it where it didn't rhyme, okay, it would still be true. For some of us, shame is our, our game. Maybe pride is why we hide. And a lot of us, we're not hiding out of shame. We're hiding out of pride because things have always got to be good. We're unwilling to admit we actually need some ministry. I, don't, can't, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times I've been there. I'm a freaking pastor. People depend on me. I'm a human being, and I can't tell you how many times I've had to just put a fake face on and just pray for everybody else. It reminds me of Kendrick Lamar. Everybody wants me to pray for them, but who the, is going to pray for me? Can't tell you how many times I've felt that. Can't tell me how many times I've needed some ministry, and my pride made me want to hide. The fact that I thought I had to have it all together all the time made it to where I couldn't let God into my brokenness. I've got to be whole and put together because the people need me. No, the people need God. And I need them just as bad. And I'm telling you, when we get honest about where we are, regardless of pride or regardless of shame, I'm telling you, God can begin to call you by your true name. And that's the, you're enough. You're an overcomer. Greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. He'll remind you of the purpose on your life. And once you get honest about where you're at, the next thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to recognize what's really the problem. And notice what I didn't say. I didn't say recognize what is the problem. I said recognize what is really the problem. Because the problem with many of us in the church, you get good at playing the church game, and we can present a problem while we're still skirting the problem. There's a difference between a problem and the problem. Many of us, we got a headache, and we're popping handfuls of ibuprofen when what's causing the headache is a freaking tumor. I'm telling you, you can address the symptom all you want. It might take care of it for a second, but the problem remains. We've got to get honest and get real about what's really going on. We've got to recognize what's really, what's really the problem. You see, Isaac comes up to the well, and he doesn't just go, oh, well. Like, I guess, I guess, I guess God doesn't want this well to produce anything. I guess this well just dried up of natural causes. Oh, well, God, have your way. No, no, Isaac began to investigate. And upon further investigation, what Isaac found was that this well did not dry up of natural causes. No, as we read, the Philistines had attacked this well. And I'm telling you, there are many of you that are coming up to doors in your life that seem closed and you instantly walk away when you don't realize that the enemy has jammed his foot in the door because he knows your destiny is on the other side. And God's saying, I've given you the authority. Kick the freaking door down. Move in. Take the ground. Trust that I've gone before you. Trust that I'm enough. The steps of a righteous person, they're ordered of the Lord. And I'm telling you, it's when we recognize what's really going on that the enemy can't the enemy, can't become the, the enemy can't become the reason that we get shut out of our purpose. We've got to recognize that, hey, this is an attack. You see, what had happened was the enemy, the Philistines, had day after day come by the well after Abraham had died, and they had dropped handfuls of dirt down in that well, stealthily, where no one would notice that it was slowly over time getting polluted and clogged. The Philistines kept coming by day after day, just whoo, whoo, dropping handfuls of dirt. You know, some of us, some of us, we come in here on Sunday, and it feels so good. You've got, you've got Pastor Tavner preaching to you. It's, it can't not be good. It's so good. We go, from, we go from having this Rocky Balboa moment 
And all of a sudden we get to Wednesday and we're like, oh Lord. Or yeah, Jesus. It's because Monday, the day after you went to the house of God, the enemy walked by your well and dropped a little bit of dirt. Tuesday, the enemy came by your well and dropped a little bit of dirt. And you didn't recognize what was going on. And because you didn't recognize what he was doing, you couldn't deal with it. And I'm telling you, it's as we deal with the dirt. It's as we deal with the dirt daily. It's as we get honest daily. Saying, God, I know I had a great day yesterday, but my, my emotions are all over the place. I don't know. I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And God's saying, I'm able to lift and prop that moment up. You know what the word grace means in the original language? It means to stoop. The literal, in the, in the Hebrew language, grace means to stoop. It's not God waiting for you to come up to him. It's God saying, no, I'll come down to you. I'll stoop to you. I'll come down to your level and I'll lift and I'll prop your fruitless life up. I'll lift you. I'll be your anchor. I'll be everything that you need. But it's not until we let him into that low place that he's able, he's able to pull us out. You know, I was reading over this and I was reminded that in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God made man out of the dirt. He made man out of the dirt. I'm here to tell you this morning, the enemy, the enemy would love to pollute you with nothing more than you. The dirt the enemy will drop down in your well is he'll come by and he'll just sprinkle a little bit of you in the mix. All of a sudden, God begins to remind you of his promises. All of a sudden, God begins to remind you of his enoughness. All of a sudden, God begins to remind you of those words that you've received and those images that, you've, that you can't sleep at night because you're, you're so convicted. You're so, you're so enamored with the fact that God would call you to do that. And as soon as that moment happens, the enemy will come by your well and you're going to do that. You're going to change the world. You're going to carve a new path for your family. You remember your last name. You're no better. You're just, the best you could ever do is just not do what they did. The enemy will come by, sprinkle a little bit of you down in the mix. I'm here to tell you it's impossible. Some of us, the reason this isn't working, the reason you're on the, the edge about to give up on your faith is because you've been living off dirty water. You've gotten used to murky water. You think this is as good as it's going to get. It's Jesus and my performance. It's Jesus and my church attendance. It's Jesus and my militants. Instead of living off the pure water that's just Jesus, it's just Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. I, don't, I didn't find a place where I'd make my way in there. Listen to me. The promises of God on your life, they are placed on you, not based on you. They're placed on you. They're not based on you. What I'm saying is you're not holding this thing up, so you can't let him down. You weren't the one holding this thing up, so you can't let him down. And it's as we let him in, I'm telling you, it's as you let him in, that all of a sudden he begins to pull you and he begins to lead you and he begins to carry you into the space and place that he's called you to live. I can feel it right now, oh God. I can feel it right now. There are some of you saying, Kenan, Kenan, I would love it if there was just a little bit of dirt. I would love it if it was just a little bit that God could just come and kind of just get, you know, his little shovel and pull it out. But listen to me. There's been a dump truck come into my life. It's not been handful after handful. There's a freaking dump truck that came and dumped dirt down in my well. I don't even know if I could find my well. It's filled to the brim. I'm buried, Keenan. I'm buried. 
It's so far down there. I don't even know if I can find it. I feel buried alive. I came here to remind you, if you feel buried this morning, I came here to remind you that you serve the God who doesn't seem to know how to stay buried. He doesn't seem to know how to stay buried. Then on Good Friday, when they crucified the King of Glory and they shoved him in a tomb, it seemed dark and it seemed bleak. And on Saturday, as his body laid there lifeless, it seemed dumb. But I'm here to tell you, Resurrection Sunday came and the power of God the power of God came and pulled Jesus out of the place the enemy thought he had buried Jesus for good can you imagine the enemy thought he had killed God and that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you I came here to tell you as pastor said resurrection Sunday came early resurrection Sunday came early if you're buried if you feel forgotten you feel neglected you feel done I came here to tell you this morning, today is Resurrection Sunday. Jesus got up out that grave to prove once and for all. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how deep, it doesn't matter how deep the enemy tries to bury you. He can't hold down the King of glory. Oh my gosh, that spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it lives in you. It lives in you. You know, my title of my message, Can You Dig It? And the, a religious lens would love to come and turn that back on you. That's if I'm asking you that question. Can you dig it? Can you dig it out? That's what we got to do. We got to go out into our lives. We got to dig out the dirt. We got to get militant. We got to be, we got to be for real about this thing. We can't have hangups. You can't have an off day. You got to dig. The enemy would love to do that. But listen to me, that, I didn't title this message because I'm asking you. I titled this message because I want to give you a prayer. I want to give you a prayer that you can pray every day. Because listen to me, you're not the Isaac in this story. You're not the Isaac in this story. No, let me tell you a little bit about Isaac. He was born of a woman who by all earthly means should, should not have been able to give birth to a son. It was miraculous. She should not have been able to give birth to a son. Not only that, but he was born and he was born as a son who was to be slain. He was laid down as a sin offering. Not only that, but he's the firstborn of Abraham. Abraham is a father of a multitude, which makes Isaac the firstborn among many brethren. Listen to me. You are not the Isaac in this story. Jesus is born of a virgin, a woman who had no business giving birth to a son. Jesus is the one, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth were even laid. And as Colossians tells us, Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. I'm here to tell you this morning, it's Jesus. Jesus does the digging. Jesus is standing at the edge of your well right now saying, would you dare to let me dig? Would you dare to let my grace be enough? I'm here to tell you, the dirt doesn't change the destiny. The pollution doesn't change the promise and the grit. It's not more powerful than the grace. The grit's not more powerful than the grace. Jesus is standing at the edge of your well saying, would you dare to let me dig? Would you dare to let me get down and dirty? Would you let me get dirty so that you can be clean? Would you let me take your place? Would you let me do for you what you can't do for yourself? And I'm here to tell you, it's as we just relinquish control and we say, God, here's where I'm at. I'm going to be honest. And here's what's really the problem. I've been shutting you out based on shame or pride. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the grace of God just begins to dig. And he creates in you something that's not just going to benefit you, but benefit generations. I'm telling you, I came here to this morning, dare to let God dig. 
dare to let God dig. And this is where I literally land the plane. It says this, Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and the Philistines stopped them up. And then it says this, this is how it finishes. It says, and he gave them the names that his father had given him. That back before there was any dirt in that well, Abraham had called it by a certain name. And Isaac said, the dirt, it doesn't change the name. I'm not changing it based on what it's been through. I'm chased on, I'm, I'm calling it based on the one who brought it through it. And I'm here to tell you this morning, don't let shame change your name. The dirt, I said, it doesn't change your destiny. The pollution didn't change the promise. The grit doesn't change the grace. I'm here to tell you God's looking at you in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your confusion, the middle of your questions. He's saying, hey, would you dare to let me dig? And I, you're not going to be a second-rate citizen in my kingdom. No, I've given you my first best. This isn't hand-me-downs. He doesn't know the meaning of the word budget. He's got more than enough. He's got more than enough. You're Isaac. Jesus. Isaac is a prophetic utterance of Jesus. He's standing now. He's saying, would you dare to let me dig? Thank you so much for joining us today at Venue Church Online. We are 